Good morning. Good morning. Yeah. I've had a lot of coffee this morning, so you're going to get the fast-moving train um, this morning. I heard a new, a new phrase last night that I never heard before. Um, when the person, you know, found out I never heard the phrase, they're like, what? But anyway, the phrase is high-speed, low-drag. Right? And so that's what you're going to get this morning. High speed, low drag. Okay? There's nothing stopping the train. That's what coffee does to you. Okay? So we just came off the heels of our Purposes series. Right? Where we walked through evangelism, discipleship, worship, fellowship. And then last week we talked about service. Okay? Um, and then throughout, as you've seen the video, as you guys were walking in, all the different service projects that we had going on this week. All right, out in our community. So on the heels of, uh, of the purpose of the church, on the heels of uh, talking about service, um, and on the heels of Serve Week, um, and then as we look forward to some of the things that we have coming up, I just wanted to kind of take this Sunday to dive a little bit deeper into the service piece and some practical, practical and tangible ways in which how can I serve right here in the midst of the body of Gateway Church where God has called me. How can I, which in turns means that you're going to serve the immediate culture right here around us, the, the, the city here of Blue Springs. You know, how can I practically get involved in, uh, in serving in, out of the country, right? So we're going to talk about some of our mission engagement, all right? And the big question this morning is this, is why? Why? Because that answer to that question is very important, very important in your life. Why? Why, why? why do I engage in this? Why has God called me to engage in this? Why? All right, and, and so that's kind of where we're going to hang out this morning in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. But first, um, we're going to hear from a, uh, we're gonna, we're gonna hear a testimony um, uh, about um, a, a couple's life who um, has ministry outside of the country. Um, and, and we had conversation a couple weeks ago, um, and I asked her that question. Why? Why do you guys do what you do? And, 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 and why do you continue to do what you do? Okay, so we're going to hear a testimony this morning in gateway, gateway fashion. We're going to make a whole bunch of noise because it's exciting, because it points to God's glory. And so we're not going to be bashful. So if you haven't had your cups of coffee, students, if you're not awake yet, now's the time to wake up. Okay, because we're going to make a whole bunch of noise, okay? So, coming to share their testimony this morning is Tony Kay. You're up now. Can I say turd? Yeah, you can say turd. Turd. He told me I was going second, so he just totally did this to me. Thank you, Don, for raising such an incredibly wonderful son. Okay, so um, you are cracking me up. So, so very blessed to be here this morning. Um, And I'm so very grateful that Jack, Zach, (laughs) asked us this question. Jack is also my grandson. Um, Why do we live sent? You know, I'm so thankful, really, that... um, Nobody's asking me to get up here and talk about Esperanza Dayana today. You guys give us so much, and the only thing that we can give back to you is all that we have, and that is Christ. 
And that's what Zach asked me to talk about this morning is Christ. And so I am so grateful for that. Um, when Zach asked me why, when Zach asked us, why do we live sent? I asked Jim. Jim sends me an email. He wrote in five minutes, and it's incredible. And I'm going to share that with you. And then I took two weeks of wrestling and wrestling with Scripture. And we'll see if what I have to say makes any sense. But one of the interesting things is that Jim started at creation when he t- thought about why do I live sent. And I started at the new heavens and the new earth. And I think that's really, really important as I looked at it and looked at it more. Um, Because in the beginning, God created us for fellowship with him, right? We have to remember that. In the beginning, God created us for fellowship with him. And then in the new heavens and the earth, what I see is all nations standing before the throne worshiping and glorifying God forever. So there's that fellowship. And I think one thing about this missionary journey that we have learned is that as we stand here in the middle today, we have to keep the picture of the beginning and we have to keep the picture of where we're going in our mind if we are going to passionately talk about Christ today. So I thought that was so appropriate that way God had Jim come at it and the way God had me come at it. And I, and I really think that if we're going to stay doing that, um, seeing creation and seeing restoration, oops, I just switched them. Creation's over here and restoration's, I don't know my right from my left, so. We're going to have to pray more. We're going to have to stay quiet more. We're going to have to listen more and wait for God to, to, to be the lifter of our heads and show us creation and show us restoration. So anyway, Jim, why does Jim live since? Let's ask him. He didn't get to be with me this morning, so I thought I would bring him. He's very, very handsome, and he's way smarter than me. Um, And I'm just going to basically read what Jim had to say this morning. You don't have to hold that up. You can just leave it there. Jim, why, did you live, why do you live sent? He says, my mind is very simple and linear, and my faith has become that too, but stronger. Who am I? Why am I here? What am I supposed to do? I was created for fellowship. Stop right there. Nothing else matters past this. I am created for a purpose, not an occupation. God's purpose is to unite his world all things back to him. Christ has reconciled us back to God and given us this ministry of reconciliation to his world. And Jim writes, yikes, right? It's a big, it's a big job. God has chosen us, and this is what he gets from what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5 that Zach's going to dig into for us. God has chosen us to make his appeal to the world. Double yikes. Our lives have to be appealing. And then Jim says, my life, and so Jim concludes, my life should be that of an ambassador, appealing man back to God. And he says, as Christ demonstrated, not as the world would define it today. So if you would like to hear a little bit more about what Jim means like as Christ demonstrated versus as the world defines it today, 
You can pick him up at the airport at 9.45 tonight. He's coming in on Delta 2078. I go to bed at 8 a.m., and he's not coming till 9.45 p.m. So I, I'm taking sign-ups over there. No, just kidding. Service, right? Service. Okay. So why do I live sin? My mind is simple, too. Um, but it's not linear. It's circular, so you may be dizzy at the end of this. My faith has grown out in concentric circles. I see God so faithful and sovereign in my life. I see him so faithful and sovereign in the lives of the kids and the families that we serve every day. He always accomplishes his purposes. I know he's going to accomplish those in the lives of my sons in my grandchildren, and in your life too, because I see him do it every day. So seeing that, that's just, that's how my faith has grown, out in concentric circles. Um, And I exist to worship God and glorify him forever. I cannot wait to be standing together with all nations, worshiping around his throne. That's eternal Sabbath. That's eternal rest. And I really wish I could talk a lot about Sabbath, but Zach didn't, only gave me, first he gave me 12 minutes and then he cut it back to 10. But in my circle, I went from why do I live sent to how do I live sent? And this was my wrestle in 2 Corinthians. And really there are four reasons, the four ways how I live sent. And one is in repentance. That's how God called me onto the mission field, and that's how he keeps me on the mission field. My verse that he gave me is, in repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. And so repentance can also be translated returning. We have constantly have to be repenting and returning. Um, God loves me enough to constantly discipline me. And show me the self-sins that constantly rise up in my life. Hi, I just saw your face. It's so good to see you. Sorry. Um, um, Constantly returning and repenting. Um, I have the justification down. I was made legally right with God at the beginning point of my salvation. But it's that sanctification. It's that process of being made holy we still got a lot of cleaning out to do. We've got to be recognizing, letting Christ show us that um, and breaking our hearts. And that leads to really the other way is in loving obedience. Instead of just in obedience out of duty, because he breaks my heart and shows me my sin and loves me anyway, then I obey because I love him back because I'm so grateful. When I saw the pink sunrise this morning, I thought, I need new mercies every morning because every day I fall in sin. So loving obedience. And the third way how I live sin is infliction and suffering. And I'll tell you what, the central theme of 2 Corinthians is the relationship between suffering and the power of the Spirit in Paul's life. The whole book of 2 Corinthians Paul is arguing against false prophets who have said, you don't look okay. 
you're not okay, so you must not really be representing Christ because your life is full of suffering and all this other stuff. You are not okay. Christ really can't be in you. He's defending himself against that in all of 2 Corinthians. And our story really is one of a lot of endurance amidst, amidst adversity. And I don't, I don't like to talk about it. I hate to talk about it. But it's the reality. Don, thank you for keeping smiling. I love it. Appreciate it so much. It's such an encouragement. The first year, the first couple years we were on, on the mission field, my husband turned into a vampire. Some of you might know that story. He actually could not go out in the daylight. Again, if you want to know more about that story, the sign-up sheet's over there. Um, there was also um, a lot of turnover in the, in the organization that, that was our covering. We were left on the mission field with no communication from the United States, no money, no understanding, had to start using what we had in our pockets, didn't know what was going on, where we were going, and if we were staying. And we've had some odd turnover two or three times. You feel isolated. You feel rejected. You feel abandoned. And all that in the middle of trying to learn to live in a country that sometimes you love and sometimes you hate. Because you do. It's hard when you live. Zach, your Bible keeps wanting me to read something. Is it the Holy Spirit? Okay. Um, But the deal is, um, oh, I have two more points there. Suffering, an overwhelming workload. Missionary work is an overwhelming workload. You're like a pastor in a small country church with no staff. You clean the toilets, you wipe the butts, you do it all. Um, and, And Jim and I didn't, Jim's a bread salesman. I'm a homeschool mom. So just learning to do what we were doing, let alone doing it and praying we were doing it right, the amount of work, physical work, mental work, decision-making work, um, is a killer. But I think the, the most difficult part is, is living along. It's the most joyful part and the most difficult part, living alongside families every day that are suffering trauma and living in crisis. You live their trauma every single day. And I have an overworking empathy muscle, and sometimes it just likes to kill me. Um, But we get to see God constantly redeeming. We also get to see God constantly redeeming. And what I would say is if I didn't live and see the pain, I wouldn't have the peace because I know a God who rescues if I didn't have the grief, I would not know the gladness of a God who redeems and rescues. And the last way that I live sent is, and, I, and again, Zach's sermon a few weeks ago, I was so encouraged by it. I live in increasing submission to the word of God. Um, we have to We have to be in it. We have to settle in it. We have to soak it in it. We have to wrestle with it. Something I didn't want to say this morning, but I'm going to say is we must become theologians. And you're like, oh, no, I'm not one of those. We must become theologians because if we don't, our assumptions about God are what we're going to live our lives by. And we're not going to be able to speak the truth. 
We've messed, and I'm, I'm preaching to myself, you guys. I really am. Oops, I'm not preaching. What am I doing? Just talking. Zach said he was going to call like a crow if I'm going too long, so I'm a little bit nervous. Now I'm just going to read, um, just, I'm just going to read the last few verses of, or verses 11 through 15 of 2 Corinthians, and I'll be done. Um, it really is through those verses that the Lord wanted to remind me how and why I live sent. Verse 11 says, because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others. God knows we are sincere. This is Paul talking, and I hope you know this too. Are we commending ourselves to you again? No. We are giving you a reason to be proud of us so you can answer those who brag about having a spectacular ministry rather than having a sincere heart. Paul says, we work hard to persuade others. That challenged me. I don't know that, even though I'm talking about working hard, most of my working hard is in the flesh. And I think the message of Sabbath rest is going to teach us how to work hard to persuade others. Verse 13 says, I love this. Thank you, Paul. Paul says, if we seem crazy, it is to bring glory to God. And if we are in our right minds, it's for you. You guys, I cannot tell you how crazy, like really losing my mind crazy, I felt since I was on the mission field. When you go through that language learning process, you lose your short-term memory. It was, it was terrifying. I thought I had Alzheimer's. I couldn't play that game where you turn over the card and turn it back over and remember, you know, like memory. or what. I could not remember things for two or three seconds. It was terrifying. And then just the chronic stress. I've lost all my processing skills. I used to be a really good, like, organizer and, like, logistical planner type person. Yeah, not so much anymore. I feel crazy most of the time, but I don't care if it's for his glory. And if I ever say anything that makes sense, if I'm ever in my right mind, it's for him. And verse 14 says, either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. No longer live for themselves. So how do I live sent? It really is by repenting, by dying daily. Why do I live sent? Because Christ's love controls me. Yeah, one of the things that stood out to me, um, as Tony was talking, she's talking about, you know, why, why do they live since, you know, in Peru at this orphanage where they work to restore families. Um, and she said it's, it's, not, it's not duty obedience, you know, this obedience out of duty. It's this loving obedience because I recognize, you know, when the sun comes up every morning, I need new mercy. I recognize that. I recognize God's love for me, um, and so that's why I live sent. It's because I recognize that. And so it's out of love for God because of the way that he loves me that I live sent. 
And I think that's, a, that, 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 that's what we, we need to wrap our mind around that. Because ask yourself the question, why is it if you participate in Serve Week this week, or you're, you're on teams here at Gateway, serving Gateway, serving the community, ask yourself, why do I do that? Get down to the core of why do I choose to do that? What is it? What is it that motivates me to that? Because that, that question, why, is very pivotal. Very pivotal. Because in the midst of what we talked about last week, in the midst of service, it's going to cost you. And you're going to get, you're going to get in the, you know, your, this airplane, you're going to experience some turbulence. And so how you choose to, you know, what, what, what's at the core of why you serve is very important. Because when you enter those seasons of difficulty, it's a matter of your why is a matter of whether or not you're going to endure to the end or not. And the Bible calls us to endure, to have endurance, to be faithful to the end, where there's a crown of life that's waiting for us. And so what is your why? Why do you do what you do? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I just want to start here in verse 14 and pick up where um, Tony K was leaving off. Verse 14 says, for the love of Christ, this is Paul speaking, for the love of Christ controls us. Some versions say compel us. For the love of Christ compels us or controls us because we have concluded this. We have been convinced of this. We have been convinced of this. Because we are convinced of this, this controls our actions. This controls our thoughts. This controls what we live for. Because I'm convinced of this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. What Paul is saying, the answer to the question, you know, the answer to the question why, Paul is saying, Here, here's my why. I'm convinced. And because I'm convinced of this, I'm controlled by it. What was he convinced of? That Jesus Christ died for all. And that those, because Jesus Christ died for all, those that live may no longer live for themselves, but for him. Because in Paul's life, his testimony had this encounter with Jesus on his road to Damascus as he was headed to kill Christians. And he had this encounter with Jesus that wrecked his life. It was this radical change in his life. Which he speaks to as we continue on. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh. We regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. When Paul had this encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus to kill Christians, he he saw the glory of Jesus and erect his life. And the old Paul passed away and the new Paul came. And he experienced the salvation in which he was persecuting. And that conviction, that conviction that Jesus is who he says he is, and he he did what he said he did, and he has the power to do what he says he'll do. The conviction that that is the truth, that Jesus is the truth, that he's the way, the truth, and the life, the conviction of that now controls his every thought, his every action. And that's his why. 
And Paul experienced a lot of suffering as Tony K mentions. Why do I live sin? Yes, you're going to experience suffering in being sent. And Paul experienced that over and over and over and over again in his life. But his why is pivotal because it allowed him to endure until the end. It allowed him to be faithful. You know, it's not like us today where we're, we, we, we commit to something, you know, and we just face a little, you know, we face a little difficulty and we just back up, we just repel. You know, it's like, eh, no, I'm good, not convenient. I'm going to take, take this series off. I'm going to, you know, no. Paul's saying, I'm convinced of this and it controls me. That's my why. And it will allow me to endure. What's your why? What's your why? Like Tony K. say, it's going to require us. It's going to require us to say we need to become theologians. It's going to require us to study the word. Because it's through studying the word that the truth will set in on you and convictions will set on you. You can't have the convictions that Paul had if you don't know the word of God, if you don't know what it says. If you don't know what the life of Jesus was about, you won't have these convictions that Paul's talking about. And so we need to become educated in what God's word says. To figure out our why. We need to know what God's word says. And let it compel us. As we know his word. As we spend time in his word. As we Sabbath. We let his word compel us. Because we've become convinced. We've concluded something about it. What have you, what, 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 what have you concluded in your life? What have you settled for? What are your convictions? Why do you do what you do? The answer to that question is pivotal. And if we don't answer that question, we, 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 we won't live the life that God has called us to live. If we don't, if we don't get that piece of, I'm convinced of this, that one died for all, that Jesus Christ died for all. And therefore, because of that, those who now live in him may no longer live for themselves. That's what service is all about. That's what this third week was all about. That because we live in Christ, because he is our why, we no longer live for ourselves. It ain't about me. It ain't about me. I don't have to live for myself because he gave up his life and I can give up my life for him. But understand what you believe, what your convictions are, you will express. You will express what your convictions are. You can't fake it. You think you can, you can't fake it. One, God knows everything. Two, it's not hard to see it. It's not hard to see who's convinced, who's concluded that the gospel is real. And that it's not hard to tell who it controls either. So you're not fooling anybody. And it's important what you believe you will express. When I was, I don't remember, I was five or six years old, me and my brother, we used to play ball in the street, and a lot of times the ball would go down the gutter. And so we'd pop that, pop that hood up, you know, the little circle pot there on the top of the gutter, and we, we'd go down the gutter, and, you know, we'd get the balls, and sometimes we'd crawl around for a little bit, you know, because back then it was okay, you know. Um, but then, uh, my, I don't think my mom was all that thrilled about it. My dad was like, yeah, yeah, they're boys. Let them do what they want to do, you know. Um, 
but my mom wasn't that thrilled, so I, you know, I, I take my mom have a conversation with my dad. So my dad started telling us, hey, boys, you're not to go down in the sewers anymore. If, you, if your balls go down there, they're lost. We'll get you some new ones. You don't have to go play down in the sewers anymore. I'm like, oh, what the heck, you know? Thanks, Mom. Um, but so he started to tell us, hey, monsters, monsters live in the sewers. That's where the monsters hang out. You know, and when you flush the toilet, when you use the restroom, all that water goes down in the sewer, and that's what the monsters drink. That's what, that's what he told us. Yeah, I'm sure some, some of you heard this story, all right? Because I was always the, I was the butt of everybody's joke at, you know, Christmas gatherings, whatever. It was this story that always got told, you know? Uh, and that's what he used to, he used to pound that in my head, hey, Zach, because I would do, if you told me not to do something, I'm going to do it, okay? And so he used to pound that in my head, hey, the monsters are down there, don't go down there. Okay, so one day I'm, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm five or six, you know, I still, probably at this time, there's, I'm still trying to figure out, you know, this whole potty training thing, you know, I, I'm a little slower, and so I had to use a number two, and so I go into the restroom, <laughs> I can't believe it, you know, welcome to church, um, <laughs> I had to use a number two, so I'm go- I, I, I walk into the bathroom, and I sit down, but here's the thing, I, I'm, you know, I, I'm not focused, you know, and, and the, the lid wasn't down. And so I'm five or six years old. You know, I, I'm a slim guy, scrawny kid, you know what I'm saying? So I sit down, the lid's not down, and my butt sinks to the bottom of the toilet. Okay, so if you got this picture, my, my legs are over the rim. Okay, my arms are flapping. Okay, and here's what I, here, here's what I mean when I say you will express what, you are conviction, you, what, what your convictions are. You will express what you believe. Because in that moment when my butt's in the water, my, my, my legs are hanging out, my arms are flailing, and I, I'm crying. I'm crying because this is what I believe. This is what I yelled out. Dad, dad, come get me. The monsters are going to get me. That's why I started just screaming out. The monsters are going to get me. And I'm just wailing. And so like my parents run in and then they see me and they hear me yelling. The monsters are gonna, and they start dying laughing. Just dying laughing. It's like it worked. Dad's like it worked. Okay. But in that moment, in that story, this is what I'm saying. You will express what you believe. What your convictions are, you will live out. It affects the way that you talk. It affects the way that you act. It affects the way that you live. And so have you thought about what is it that compels me? What is it that controls me? What is it? And Paul's saying, it's Christ. He made himself known to me. He made himself known to me and he died for me because he loved me. And my old self passed away. My old self passed away. And I'm a new creation. Some of you need to believe that this morning. You're a new creation because Christ is in you. The old has gone away and the new has come. And if, and if I'm to live in Christ, I no longer have to live for myself. That's what Paul's saying. What would you say? What would you say? You know, I've been beating this drum with our students lately about who are you. Been asking that question. They just will walk into TPX and I'll just throw out the night, who are you? You know, what is your purpose? What's your why? You know, and as I think about that question, you know, as I begin to follow Christ, um, that, 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 that question, when you, when, you, when you know the answer to that, when God has revealed to you why he has made you and who you are and what he's 
purposed you with, you can rest on that for eternity in all seasons. It's like for me when Peter says, in 1 Peter 5, 2, he says, shepherd, he's talking to the, the elders, the, the pastors, the overseers of the church, and Peter says, shepherd the flock among you. Shepherd the flock among you. That's what I'm charging you with. And that's, that's part of God's call on my life. That's part of who I am. That's part of my purpose. That's part of my why. This guy says, shepherd. Shepherd the people that I bring. You know? Build the church. Jesus tells Peter, on this rock, I'm going to build the church. Build the church by shepherding people. When you understand the why, it controls you. It's why you get up out of bed. It's what gives you purpose. It's what allows you in, to endure until the end. To be faithful. To live out the life that God has called you to live out. What are you convinced of? Did you go home today, you turn on the cheese game, watch the cheese game, but don't go to sleep tonight. Until you ask yourself the question, what are you convinced of? And if you don't know the answer to that, look at the actions and the expressions of your life, because that will reveal to you what you are convinced of. And start there. There's an opportunity today, I'm going to ask the band to come back up. As we center around this question of why... There's an opportunity to serve here in the church. There's an opportunity to serve, you know, on missions. Jesus says, go make disciples of all nations. Go make disciples of all nations. And so we engage in that, you know. And so sign-ups this week for our Jamaica trip in January is over there at the tables, along with opportunities to engage in service here locally in the church and to the community. And, you, and we do that because, like Paul says, we understand the why. Because we have the convictions. And so the natural implication or the natural response to that is to serve. Because he came and gave his life as a ransom. And so if we're to live, we no longer have to live for ourselves. But for him who gave his life. And so there will be the, the ministry team leaders will be by the tables. And I would encourage you, encourage you, don't go get your kids yet. We're going to end a little early. Don't go get your kids yet. Take some time. If you're not plugged in, if you want to be a part of a family, you want to serve, if you're stirred, yeah, my convictions are Christ came to serve me. And so I'm going to go serve and get, he gave his life as a ransom. So I'm going to go empty myself for that cause. And you're not a part of something? Go get plugged in. Choose. Make the decision to be obedient out of God's love for you. And there's also, if you've never been on a mission trip, you've never been to Jamaica, they're going in January. The reason why you go to Jamaica is because you're compelled. You're compelled by the gospel to go share the gospel with other people to love on people, to help 
alleviate the poverty in that community, to help build homes, some of the, just the basic fundamental things that we have here, we help provide those for other people as we share the gospel with them, as we act out the gospel with them. And if God's stirring you about that, go have a conversation at that table. Come have a conversation with me. I would love to have it because it's what God calls us to. Amen? So let it be. So let it be. Let's pray. God, we are convinced like Paul. We're convinced that you gave your life for us. And that you raised from the dead three days later. And God, I'm convinced of that. I'm convinced of that. Because I, like Paul, God, I've experienced your transformation. The old is gone, the new has come. And God, that is my conviction about who you are. That's my conviction about your, your, what, what your word says. I'm, I'm there. I believe you. I trust you. And I want to continue to know you, God. I want to continue to walk this out. I want to know you more. I want these convictions, God, help them just kind of settle in further and further and further so that I can be more controlled, more compelled to serve you. God, let your convictions just kind of pour over this room. Let your spirit engage people's minds as we head into worship. Engage people's minds, engage people's affections. Stir their affections for you so that we can be compelled by you because that's the gospel. Jesus loved us and so he's compelled to come and save us, to give his life as a ransom. Let us now go embark on that same mission. Amen.